It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Another heartbreaking loss. The Celtics are falling into some bad habits, and I think that second seed is slipping away. It's the Monday Locked On Celtics. Millie's Let's Go. Jay's back with the vengeance back. All the real Celtics fans in attendance. This is the truth like 34. It's like walking in the garden when you hear the roars. The crowd goes crazy. Most in-depth coverage on the daily. Mainly podcast royalty, the content kings. When you talking about the franchise with 17 rings. Focus like Danny at the deadline. Global with it, got a local feel like the red line, the blue line, the green line. Play it in between time. I'ma throw my C's jersey on in the meantime and press play. When the F's done, I can't wait until the next day. Trying to stay in tune with the C's, it's the best way. Melly. Monday, you're back on your grind, and I'm going to help you get through the start of your work week. I want to thank you for making this show part of your daily routine. We're here for you Monday through Friday, free, daily, and I want to thank you also for making this show the number one Boston Celtics podcast out there. Number one ranking Boston Celtics podcast on iTunes. This is the best show because you guys made it so, and I want to thank everybody for doing so, for the the five-star ratings, for the good written reviews. You all are the best. Keep those coming. For those of you who are looking to advertise, you could always advertise on this show. It's the number one Celtics podcast. If you're looking for Celtics fans, you can email the show, LockedOnCeltics at gmail.com, or text the word advertising to 33777, and, and we'll set you up. Please, that would be very nice of you to contact us about the show. Uh, Celtics heartbreaker, man, heartbreaker. This that was that was rough. I, I couldn't believe what happened. I was stunned. Everybody in the in the building was stunned because the Celtics had this. They blew it. They had this thing. It, it, I don't want to say in hand because it was the second quarter, but man, they were cooking. And then. Things fell apart at the end of the, the first half, and then the entire second half was a struggle. The third quarter was terrible, but the Celtics did enough to get a lead with eight seconds left, and all of a sudden, Kemba Walker is blitzed. He turns it over. It's the second game in about a week where he gets blitzed on an inbounds, and the Celtics end up losing because of it. So uh, that wasn't great, and Kemba really took it hard, to tell you that much. he went, By the time we, the media, got into the locker room, I mean, that's the game's ending. Uh, the game ended. I've, I've written my recap. I'm kind of like taking a few minutes afterwards. And, yeah, by the time you walk down and talk to Brad Stevens, it, it's probably a solid 20 minutes or so by the time the game ends and He's done talking, maybe more. And by the time we got into the locker room, and there he was sitting there just kind of at his locker and taking this loss very hard. And yeah, you know, I feel I feel for him. He's going through he's going through some some real struggles. Uh, this stat came from uh, founder of the network, David Locke, Kemba. 20 of 54 at the rim coming into the game since January 20th. He's shooting 37% at the rim. Okay, he's struggling right now. January 20th is also the last time he made a shot in the paint, non-restricted area coming into today's game. 13 straight misses. So Kemba's struggling. 
Kemba's struggling at the end of the game. He's struggling uh, with those inbounds passes, and it really is uh, a problem for for Kemba. And, and part of it is his knee, and he says the knee is fine. Well, let's start there. The knee, he says, it feels good, and they're ramping up his minutes restrictions. He played 30 minutes in this game. So that doesn't seem to be something that I think contributes to or contributed to this game, but I think it has contributed to his struggles overall. Um, in this game, he shot four of 14, two of nine from three. I mean, he's just struggling all over the place in this game, just 14 points. Um, and those, those end of game situations where you get the ball into Kemba Walker, I don't know if the Celtics might want to rethink that strategy. I mean, Kemba's a guy, obviously, that you want with the ball in his hands late in the game, but also he's the smallest guy on the floor. And if he can't see past the defenders, like if they're blitzing him and like in the, in the Brooklyn game and in this game, I don't want to overreact because I mean, sometimes things happen in little bunches and it's not, it's not indicative of the overall thing, but I, I, you know, in that situation, why not set something for Jason Tatum, you know, at least, or Gordon Hayward, why not set something for Gordon Hayward and have him be the guy who gets the ball? I mean, he's a tremendous free throw shooter. He's bigger. He's stronger. He makes good decisions. Uh, why not get something for him? And if you can get Kemba streaking somewhere up the floor, then, then Yeah get him into some open space, then yeah. But in that situation, when you know a double is coming, when you know he's getting trapped, maybe maybe the smallest guy on the floor isn't the guy you want getting the ball. Not in that situation, on the sideline. Again, two games in a row on that sideline where the where that sideline is essentially a defender. I mean, and in this case, he kind of he dribbled away, dribbled into the corner. So he and, and Chris Paul did a great job staying in front of him. Like Chris Paul is, you know, now that he's healthy again and his hip's not an issue, he can he can slide, he can he can play. Re- he's playing really well. And when you're on that sideline or in that corner, I mean, those those baselines, those sidelines, those out of bounds, that's essentially a defender because obviously you can't cross that line. So I don't know. I feel like I feel like getting Kemba in a situation there where he's more easily trapped is not ideal. I don't, I don't want to belabor this point because that's not really where the Celtics lost the game. It's one thing, but it's not where they lost the game. They lost this game at the end of the second quarter where they had just put together a 12-2 run that got them an 18-point lead and then immediately, poof, they gave that up. The score went from 48-43 with 3.33 to go in the game to 63-45 with 108 to go in the game. So in a very short span, the Celtics got steals, three-point shots. I mean, Tatum, two straight threes. Hayward hit a three. Uh, Tice hit a three. Hayward hit another three to cap it all off. And then all of a sudden, it goes from 63-45 to 63-52. It's an 11-point game rather than an 18-point game. That little stretch there, where a 7-0 run kind of gives the 
Thunder some hope going into the locker room. That's huge. That is right there. A, a massive turning point in this game. Now, there's a lot of basketball left to play, and no lead is ever safe. You could be up 20 in the fourth quarter, and that lead is not safe. But the Celtics, with 108 to go, had Oklahoma City on the ropes. And if they just protected the ball, Langford turned the ball over. He had a, a he wanted to take a dribble handoff. It was weird. He he had an open shot and he immediately went into a dribble handoff situation where he turned the ball right over and it became an easy layup. And then Marcus Smart gets called for an uh, an offensive foul. And that turns into a 3. And and all of a sudden these things uh add up. Uh Nerlens Noel had a dunk in that in that mix as well. But Instead of the Celtics going into the half with a 20-point lead, a 20-something point lead, and momentum, and that feeling of feeling good, like you get into the locker room, you feel good about yourself, you're like, yeah, all right, here we go. Look at these steals. Look at these the turnovers that we forced. They forced like six turnovers in that second quarter. I mean, it was a great second quarter up until the last minute or so. And then Oklahoma City just would have gone into the locker room feeling like they just got their asses kicked because they went from down five to it would have been if they could have gotten to 20 or 20 something you give up in the course of three minutes a 20 a five point lead turns into a 20 something point lead you go in there dejected and you're like what the hell just happened to us this whirlwind you feel down your shoulders are slumped instead of that feeling they go into the locker room clapping Feeling good, like, all right, all right, we took their punch, and now we're coming back. And that is a huge difference, because then they come out in the third quarter and whip off a run, and next thing you know, it becomes a five-point game within three and a half minutes. That's the difference. If the Celtics come out with of that half with that feeling good, and you, you start the third quarter with a little bit of momentum, with a little bit of that good feeling, and there's a little bit of pressure on Oklahoma City, then maybe the third quarter doesn't start the way it does. But instead, the Celtics come out and kind of suck in the third quarter. I mean, both teams weren't great in the third quarter. But that little thing, that's where the game was lost to me. Because it gave it gave OKC life. And again, they could have come back later. There's an entire half of basketball to be played. There are a lot of things we can go nitty-gritty and talk for two hours about breaking down film. Like, oh, this could have happened and that could have happened. But that stretch at the end of the second quarter was just a crusher. And and that set the tone for the rest of the game. And you look, the Celtics have done this a lot. And this is this is where I have a real problem with this team right now. And this is not who they are. And this is why it's bothersome. This isn't who they've been, but all of a sudden they are feeling real good about themselves. And once they get up, once things start going well, they feel too good about themselves. And then they, then they just kind of let go the the proverbial let go of the rope and the other team makes a run. And this team has not responded well to these runs since the road trip. They were great on the road trip. They got home, and then all of a sudden, 
they're starting to get a little too comfortable. And I don't know what it is. I don't know if they came off of that road trip feeling really, really good about themselves. And now they're, they're kind of like reading their press clippings and they're like a little too high. Maybe this is a good little thing that's happening. Maybe these four home losses are humbling in a way and a reminder that this team, as I've said a million times, is not good enough to rest on their laurels. They are not good enough. They're just not. No matter how good Jason Tatum has become, no matter how well things have fit, no matter any of that stuff, they are not good enough to relax and let just kind of coast to wins. They are only great, and they are great when they do this. They are only great when they are trying at their best, 100%, playing defense, working the ball, what they did in that stretch in that second quarter to bump that lead up to 18 That's when they are at their best. And that takes effort. When you let go, when you slow down, when you feel too good about yourselves, the Celtics are not good. And now that means the second seed, I think we can kiss it goodbye. Hey, if you're somebody who hires people, and I was one of those people once, you have a lot of questions. Will you find good applicants? That's the number one thing. Uh, What about education, experience? How will you know that you've made the right hire? There's a lot of questions when you're hiring somebody. It's very stressful, and Indeed is here to help. Millions of great candidates use Indeed every day to find their next opportunity. You can post a job in minutes. You can use screener questions to help create your short list of applicants fast. Also, add skills tests to your job posts so you can be confident in your applicant's abilities. Their library of more than 50 skills tests ranges from industry-specific skills like accounting, general aptitude tests like critical thinking. Indeed gives you the smart tools to make your hiring decisions quickly. And be confident that you're making the right hire for your team. Post your job today at Indeed.com slash on and get a free sponsored job upgrade on your first posting. That's indeed.com slash locked on. Terms and conditions and exclusions apply. Offer valid through March 31st, 2020. NFL teams making bold final moves before the start of the season. From our local experts to your ears, these are the biggest stories on the Locked On Podcast Network. The Tennessee Titans have announced a one-year deal with linebacker Jadavion Clowney, reportedly worth $15 million. Tyler Rowland of Locked On Titans tells you if it's going to be enough to get Tennessee back to the AFC title game. In other moves around the league, the Miami Dolphins named Ryan Fitzpatrick starting quarterback, which means Tua will be back up for the time being. And the Detroit Lions have agreed to a one-year deal with running back Adrian Peterson. Peterson was released by the Washington football team last Friday. For more NFL news and analysis, subscribe to the new Peacock and Williamson NFL show and listen to a brand new lineup on Locked On NFL. They'll have division previews every day this week. Local experts on the biggest stories. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Celtics. Your daily Boston Celtics podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. While the Celtics have lost two straight games, the Toronto Raptors have won three straight. That means the Celtics are now three games behind Toronto and two and a half games ahead of Miami, which means the Celtics are closer to the fourth seed than they are to the second seed. Now, 
of course, things in play here that make it so it's not exactly how it seems. Uh, the Celtics obviously play the Raptors again, and they can earn that tiebreaker. So they can earn a game, and essentially two games if the tiebreaker comes into play. But they can cut that lead, uh, and there is time. They've played now 63 games, so there are 19 games left. There is time, but there's very little time. And Miami, the Celtics, two and a half games up, but it's really three and a half games up because they have the tiebreaker there. So there's a little bit more wiggle room as far as that goes. But the point is, the Celtics have to get themselves back on track. And I think it, it while there is time, I just don't see the Celtics not only whipping off enough wins to get up to the second seed, I don't see Toronto losing enough games to fall. I mean, now we're getting to a point where the Celtics need a little bit more help from the Raptors. Before, they could just kind of go along and play at the same clip that they were playing, but that's when a game, game and a half, separated those guys. The Celtics had an opportunity to take over the second seed, and then they lost to Brooklyn. That was that was a crusher. I mean, they had they were a half game out. They had a chance to slide into that top spot, and they couldn't do it. And now they find themselves three games out. So, what does this mean? It doesn't mean a ton, other than if the Celtics and the Raptors meet in the second round of the playoffs, then. This, the Raptors would have home court. I mean, that's that's essentially what you give up. And it changes who the Celtics would be playing in the first round rather than being the second seed and facing the Nets who are in turmoil. And huh, I got thoughts about the Nets, boy. Uh, what a mess. But it's, I'll save that for a, an NBA podcast or something. But, ugh. but they have this opportunity to face either the Nets or the Magic, which I think would be very much more uh, uh, palatable for for the Celtics. I mean, a little bit of an easier road. Now they're set up with, guess who? The Sixers in the sixth seed. Now the Sixers are a game ahead, uh, a game behind Indiana. They're going to start getting healthy soon enough. And so it's possible that they could overtake the Pacers. And I don't know if they, maybe they don't want to because They've handled the Celtics pretty well. And granted, the Celtics were not in great position uh, for a few of those games against the Sixers, but I got to tell you, I'm not happy with a first-round matchup against Philly. I know that they're a mess. I know that they're struggling. I know that they've got fit issues. I know all of that. I also know that they've got Joel Embiid, and I also know that they have matchup issues that can drive the Celtics crazy. And while the Celtics would probably be favored, I'm not thrilled with that matchup. It's a matchup that could hurt the Celtics. And we're looking at, after all of this, the possibility of a first-round exit. Now, I'd rather play the Pacers. Pacers would be, I think, a better a better matchup. But the Pacers aren't exactly going to be easy either. I mean, the Pacers have size, but... I think the Celtics could handle the Pacers a little bit better. It'd be another first-round matchup for those two teams, but, I mean, it is what it is. Uh, I But 
I, I feel much more confident against Indiana than I would against Philly. And that's going to be a race that we're going to have to start watching because I think that's where it's going to end up. I think Miami has gotten enough of uh, their act together to kind of hang into that 4-5. I don't think they're going to drop three three games to fall to six, so I'm not particularly worried about facing the Heat um, or not preparing to face the Heat, I would say. Uh, I'm sure plenty of people would love people who work these games to have a playoff series in Miami. I wouldn't mind going to Miami for four or five days in a row. That's not bad, but uh, I don't think that's going to happen. I think it's going to be between Indy and Philly the way things are shaping up. And so it would be it would be very bad for the Celtics to put themselves in a position with these losses uh, to, to have a, a very, very difficult first-round matchup. I'll just leave that there. Um, one thing that I thought was interesting after the game, Brad Stevens had a great quote about um, Jason Tatum and the struggles that Tatum has had in his past couple of games where you know the shots haven't been falling and he's been targeted a lot. And I thought it was really interesting. He was asked if teams were guarding Tatum differently, and he said, you know, no, nothing, nothing crazy as far as like hard traps like the Lakers or anything like that. But then he said, and here's the quote, the best defenders are on him every game, and they're physical, and they're dialed in, and they're ready to go. And that's why whenever I talk to him about it, I always say, doesn't this make you respect the best even more? Like, they get it every day from everybody. That's hard. And I think that's really, really interesting. And part of Jason Tatum's development, that seeing this, seeing this level of defense, seeing how the other team's best defenders are keying in on him, seeing how defenders are a little extra juiced to defend him, that he now has a target on his back every game. I think it's very interesting to have that perspective of, hey, you know what? LeBron, he gets this all the time. Every day he walks in, this is what he gets. The best players in the world, Giannis, Kawhi, those guys, they walk into the gym and this level of defense that you've been seeing, that's it for them every single day. And that's what you have to face. And that's what you have to beat. And that's what you have to be great against. And Tatum has been phenomenal this season. The steps of that forward that he's taken, great. Like that's something that uh, I think should be celebrated. Because as we've said, you know, last week when I when Grenham was on the podcast, we were talking about how amazing it was that he just flipped the switch all of a sudden. But now there's there's a lot more to go. And you start to realize like, aha, okay. Like if you really want to be great, and if you really do want to be a superstar, like now you have to figure out how you can do this against the double teams, how you can do this against the blitzes, against the other team's best players. When everybody knows that you're going to get the ball, when everybody knows that you're going to get this shot. What do you do? What have you done to prepare yourself for this moment? What have you done to make sure that whatever they throw at you, 
you're able to handle. That's, that's greatness. That's where you become the legend. Right now, Tatum is, is good. He's a really good young player. A great young player. Special. What do you do to reach that next level? Do you have it? Now, I had a big argument on Twitter recently about Jason Tatum being a top five player. That's what top five players are. And when I said, I don't know if he can be a top five player. Generally speaking, top five players show it early. And they're able to do this against everybody most nights. And that's where he has to get. If he is, and he can, and that's the other thing, that in this argument was lost, that it's possible. He certainly can be that guy. He absolutely can be that guy. But he's not right now. And he's 22. And he shouldn't be right now. Like That's that's part of the growth. Um, He can get there. But this is... This is the learning. This is the seeing it with your own eyes. This is the different thing that when you go home and go to sleep and you're laying in bed as Jason Tatum and you're replaying everything in your head and you say, all right, how can I be better? What can I do? What little tricks? That's that's where he's going to make the leap. And he worked out with Chris Paul over the summer. We found that out today. Um, and that's a guy that obviously is is going <laughs> to – he knows a lot of tricks, that's for sure. So that's a guy you can look to. And by going and working out with different greats, you learn, you pick their brains. That is something you do. And then you apply it. You know, if if Brad Stevens is – correct in that Tatum picks things up quickly and learns once he sees something, he learns quickly and he seems to be that guy, then this is going to be good. These struggles, as crappy as they are in the moment, are part of the growing process. Just like, you know, pruning a tree. You prune a tree so it can grow better. You know, anybody that knows gardening and you you know, you're weeding and you're all, all the different things you do to your, your plants to make sure the growth spurts and everything grows the way you're to, it's supposed to. I mean, some of it is cutting away some of the dead stuff. And that means cutting it back so it can grow. And this is part of the cutback for Jason Tatum. Uh, the referees did something inexcusable. And you know me, I'm not a refs guy. I don't blame the refs. And the thing that happened in this game blew my mind and it's just oh it's sticking it's sticking in my side I'll talk about it next you're up to date on your favorite team but what about the competition here we go John Hollinger and Nate Duncan are evaluating every bubble contender on Hollinger and Duncan Rejecting the screen goes behind the scenes with in-depth interviews and the Locked On NBA podcast is recapping games daily. Let the Locked On NBA network of podcasts take care of your NBA bubble scouting reports. Hollinger and Duncan, rejecting the screen, the Locked On NBA podcast. 
Subscribe to the best trio of NBA podcasts on the planet, wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us on our social channels at LO Celtics on Twitter and at Lockdown Celtics on Instagram. Still a lot to talk about in this game. Uh, I'm going to save some of the other points for the, the next podcast on Tuesday because you know, I want to talk about Ennis Cantor and I want to talk about some of the other things that the Celtics did wrong in this game but and how it might apply to the Pacers, but I'll talk about that tomorrow. I want to end the show with this officiating thing and like I said before, I don't like talking about the officials because they have a hard job and I, I do respect the job that they have to do. It's difficult. You know, there's there's three of them out there and you've got 10 guys out there. They're the best athletes in the world and everything happens so fast and they're so good. Like Chris Paul got fouled in midair and as he was throwing in a reverse layup, found a way to embellish the call. Like, that's how good an athlete he is. In midair, he's like, ah, he fl-. Like, he, I would have to concentrate on, like, the the layup. He's got, like, the control to do all this other stuff. Marcus Smart did take a little bit of a shot to the face, but, like, he embellished, I think, a little bit uh, play. Enough where they stopped the play uh, was in the second quarter, where, whatever it was, where they, they didn't even call a foul. But they stopped the play to see if there was a hostile act. Um, so, on top of everything moving quickly, and you never know how you get out of position sometimes, and guys are able to embellish and do all that stuff, it's it's difficult. An official's job is difficult. That being said, this season has been maybe the worst season that I've seen for obvious missed Calls like obvious missed calls, and that makes the double dribble that they missed against Steven Adams infuriating, even though it was a meaningless, meaningless play because it resulted in a 24 second violation anyway. So it was a turnover, regardless. So it meant nothing to the game, but. Man, if you didn't see it, Steven Adams got the ball, dribbled, stopped at the high post, couldn't find another guy to hand it off to, really spent like three or four seconds, five seconds trying to hand the ball off. Then he dribbled again. And Brad Stevens lost his mind. Four guys on the bench lost their minds. Robert Williams, who was on there, when he heard the whistle, he turned around with signaling double dribble. And they call a 24-second violation, which, okay, fine. Like, it's a turnover anyway, so guys don't get worked up about it. But, yo, you guys, what are you watching? What are you watching out there? Do you not see the biggest person on the floor take a dribble and then stop and then dribble again? Do you not see that? Three guys out on the floor and you don't see that? What What's going on? That's, it's part of a pattern. And that's why I'm even bringing it up. 
I'm not bringing it up because it matters. I'm not bringing it up because I want to rant about officials. It's part of a pattern in the NBA this year. And it's, it's infuriating. As a person who just watches a lot of basketball and you just don't know when an obvious call is not going to be made. And I don't know how to address it other than these guys. I don't know, a fine, a suspension, something where like you got to tell the fans, you got to tell the fans like these guys are, are being held accountable. Look, that's something that just has to happen. Somehow we need to know that officials are being held to a certain standard. Like that call is so blatant. It's right in front of you. And so between that and obvious goaltending calls that have been missed throughout the league, just different scenarios throughout the course of the season that uh, the goaltending in Portland that got Damian Lillard all, all upset comes to mind. These these obvious things, it's just it's it's mind boggling. And if if a fan cannot watch a game and trust that these officials are going to see everything, then it it just puts the the, the reputation of the sport in in jeopardy. It, it just it creates this feeling like if they can't call that obvious double dribble, what are they going to do in the the closest moments? Like how are they going to how are they going to officiate this game? You know, and and it's just something needs to be done. I'm going to leave it at that because otherwise I'm just going to keep going on and on and on. But it's just mind blowing. It's mind blowing to me. The last word here that I want is uh, the Celtics. Uh, it was International Women's Day on Sunday, and the Celtics uh, were asked, Brad Stevens was asked about Allison Feaster and Carol Lawson. And I just want to shout them out because, um, you know, Brad Stevens and I talked to Grant Williams uh, about them, and you know, everybody seems to have like very, very high opinion of them. They, they are doing a great job, and um, I'm enjoying the fact that this isn't even like a news story anymore. Like women in the NBA, like for so long, the the old stereotypes were there about women in sports and all that stuff. And I think when you finally see it in practice, when you finally see people uh, of a different gender, just going out there and doing the work, you realize like, Oh yeah. You know, all those stereotypes that those jerks have been kind of like spouting. Like, it doesn't matter. It's not true. Like, I don't know why certain stereotypes exist, but they do. People love to use them. Whatever. Carol Lawson is highly respected. Uh, Brad Stevens had very, very glowing words about her. Grant Williams said that she sees the game better than just about anybody he's ever been around. Um, it's a highly valuable person. She's, you know, a championship point guard in the WNBA. And uh, a gold medal winner, and you know she's out there working with Carson Edwards and and the young uh, point guard. She's out there working with the guards. Uh, she's working with Marcus Smart before games. Um, it's it's just kind of it's great to see the stereotypes being busted. And Allison Feaster has been uh, by all accounts great in her role as the director of player development. And 
it's an interesting role because she uh, is is working with guys ab- about their lives, like off the court. She's, I w- would almost say, like director of player development is almost like the wrong title. It's like director of person development is is more like it. And she's she's really working with guys on their overall lives, not just basketball. And we see these guys as basketball players as like characters. Like I think a lot of us. A lot of people, a lot of you see guys as like almost like characters in a play. And, you know, every time you see them, they're all dressed up in costume and they're performing for you. And then you kind of don't see them outside of that. You know, you see, you don't see them at home. Of course you don't. Um, you don't see them out, out in their own normal lives. They, they have a lot. I mean, they work hard and they spend hours and hours and hours playing basketball, working out, but you know, there's only you know so many hours that you can do that. You've got just like everybody else. If you're at practice and you got an hour and a half long practice, and you're there an hour or two early and stay an hour or two later, I mean, you're still talking about what six hours at the gym. What do you do with the rest of your day? What there's there's a lot of time there to kind of get away from basketball. And she's she's playing an active role in getting guys into paths that can kind of take advantage of who they are and uh, prepare them for their next step. Because frankly, it's a weird business where at 37, 38, 39 years old, you're like, okay, your career is over. (laughs) Now what? Theoretically, you've got 40, 50 years left of your life to go do something. Not just going to sit around. I mean, yeah, you're rich, but like, okay, <laughs> I'm just, I'm just going to sit around in a, in a nice house. Like you got to do something. So she's been uh, very good at helping guys kind of develop that path. So I want to shout out to them because it's important. And maybe the most important thing is they're doing it. They're visible and young girls see that they can do it. And that's maybe the most important thing because young girls seeing women do this at the NBA level and of course the WNBA level, but the NBA level that they can be in any sport that they love. Um, that's huge. That's really, really huge because you know, look, I've got a, I've got a niece and she's like, like four years old, five years old. She's, she's going to be looking at these things. She's going to be watching sports with her uncle and her dad. And she's going to be looking and seeing women playing sports, coaching, she's going to just know that like, oh, that's an option. That's a thing that I can do. And that's important because um, I'll be damned if anybody tells my niece that she can't do something. And I bet you, if you've got a daughter, you feel the same way because if she wants, if your daughter wants to coach in the NBA, you're going to do what you can do. Uh, so uh, I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited for that. I'm excited for the future of the sport because uh, an entire gender is not being shut out and there are great basketball minds and the, you know, whether you sit down to pee or not shouldn't determine whether you get to talk basketball. You know what I mean? Like I'm excited that the game is opening up to a whole lot of new people who can see the game and think the game and contribute to the game because that's going to make the game a lot better. And man, I love this game. I love this game so much that, I'm I'm excited that it's going to grow 
So it's cool. All right. I'll talk more about this game on the Tuesday podcast. So subscribe so you can get that directly to your inbox or whatever pod catcher you have. Subscribe to the show and rate it five stars because that helps us stay the number one Boston Celtics podcast in the world. The number one. This is it. You're listening to the best Celtics podcast in existence. And that's because you rate it and you give it five stars and you share it. You tell people you should be listening to the Lockdown Celtics podcast here on the Lockdown Podcast Network. Hi guys, this is Josh Lloyd, host of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. The NBA is back, so that means that fantasy basketball is back in one form or another. We've got daily fantasy, but there's also some fantasy leagues with the resumption of play with these eight regular season games in Orlando, and Locked On Fantasy Basketball is going to have you covered. It's not just for fantasy basketball, though, because we recap all of the games across the NBA, so if you're looking for a broad overview of the action across the league every day, Locked On Fantasy Basketball is the podcast for you.